It's 11.59 in Cozy Corner. The current temperature is 70 degrees. That's one degree hotter than 69. Even though nothing is hotter than 69. <laughs> Have you ever been mauled by a bear or other forest creature? The members of Grin and Barrett want you to know that you are not alone. Join them this Sunday in the Eudora Dooley Conference Room of the Cozy Corner Library. There will be coffee, healing, and desserts. Hopefully not bear claws. <laughs> now it's time for everyone's favorite show. Who are we kidding? No one likes this show. It's time for the Late Night Fright with Dan and Faith. You've been warned. Yay. cleared for departure. Your destination, the Late Night Fright. Commencing transmission in 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. It's gelatinous. It's ravenous. It's not of this planet. But enough about me. Welcome to the Late Night Fright, right here on WKMF Cozy Corner Public Radio. I am Dan, and with me as always is my gelatinous, ravenous, not of this planet co-host, Faith. Say hi, Faith. Hi, Faith. Faith, Psy Frightmare Month is in full swing here on our moderately rated little public radio show. Science fiction and horror are the peanut butter and chocolate of the movie world. Last week, we reviewed Ridley Scott's 1982 dystopian masterpiece Blade Runner. Tonight, we travel back to the late 50s for an influential little piece of drive-in nostalgia. It was the atomic age, the space age, and the time the drive-in was all the rage. Ike was in the White House, the Universal Monsters had made a triumphant return to television in the form of shock theater, Elvis topped the charts, and we witnessed the birth of the horror host. The wars were cold, the music was hot, stability and contentment had been achieved. Before we take a trip to the drive-in, we would like to welcome all of you to Cozy Corner and the Late Night Fright. Be you a spook, specter, or astral traveler from Dimension X, welcome. We would especially like to welcome any murdering sumbitch in jello molds who may be tuning in. That might have something to do with tonight's film. What is on the slab for post-mortem this evening, Faith? From 1958, we have director Irvin Yeaworth's classic sci-fi film, The Blob, starring Steve McQueen. The film was produced by Jack Harris, the screenplay is by Kay Lineker, and Theodore Simonson, and the title song was written by Burt Bacharach. This was McQueen's first starring role, and it led to him getting the lead in the series Wanted Dead or Alive. That series was an inspiration for the fictional show Bounty Law, featured in Quentin Tarantino's film Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, 
a film which coincidentally features McQueen as a character portrayed by Damian Lewis. Well, okay. Co-starring alongside McQueen is Anita Corso, a familiar face to television viewers for her role as Helen Crump in The Andy Griffith Show. It's also got some space goop that likes to eat people, a couple of pretty iconic moments, and a lovely legacy. We're going to take a short pause for a coffee cause, and when we get back, Jello. There's always room for Jello. I am Dan. I am Faith. You're listening to the Late Night Fright right here on WKMF Cozy Corner Public Radio. We are so glad you're here. We'll see you on the other side. Night Fright is made possible through a generous grant from the Welsh Jennings Corporation. The Welsh Jennings Corporation, building a better tomorrow, today. Whether it's nanotechnology, drone warfare, or our newest creation, the Playpen, a virtual world for adults only. The Playpen, the only place where you can indulge in your deepest, darkest, and dankest desires in a safe, digital environment. The Playpen. Jack in and jack off. Only from Wells Jennings. Stay tuned for more of the Late Night Fright, right here on WKMF Cozy Corner Public Radio. WKMF Cozy Corner Public Radio is proud to present our newest show, Calls from Grandma, premiering next week. Here's a special sneak preview. Hey, baby. It's your grandma. Make sure to wash your hands after you take a poop or you'll get pink eye. Nobody likes a poop face. Bye, baby. Calls from Grandma, premiering next week WKMF Cozy Corner Public Radio. Remember, baby, don't rub your eyes with the poop or you'll get pink eye. Here's a little joke. A skeleton walks into a bar and orders a beer and a mop. Ha <laughs> ha. Here's another joke. We now return to the late night fright with Dan and Faith. I'm sure you're as excited as I am.
If you were a monster kid back in the day, The Blob is the movie for you. If you're curious what a mashup of a 1950s teen and sci-fi picture looks like, The Blob is the movie for you. If you want to see pre-stardom Steve McQueen fight killer Jello, The Blob is the movie for you. McQueen, 28 at the time of filming, plays Steve. That's a stretch. The world's most haggard-looking teenager. Maybe it was his age, or maybe it was the chain-smoking. Maybe it's the situation Steve finds himself in. One night while necking, that's 50s terminology for making out, with his girlfriend Jane, played by Anita Corso, Steve witnesses a meteor fall from the sky. Inside the meteor, the blob. A killer, gelatinous alien that grows larger and redder with each kill. The blob is hungry and can't be stopped. Much like John Belushi's Bluto Blutarski in 1978's classic film Animal House, it's best to keep your hands and feet away from its mouth while it eats. That boy is a P.I.G. pig. The film was produced by Jack H. Harris, who had been a film distributor until he began his producing career with The Blob. The director was Irving Yeworth, who began his career in radio and directed television specials for famed evangelist Billy Graham. He also built theme parks. The Blob was shot in and around Valley Forge, Pennsylvania, with principal photography taking place at Valley Forge Studios. The towns of Chester Springs, Downington, Phoenixville, and Royersford also feature in the film. The film's score was composed by Ralph Carmichael, and he had composed a main theme for the film entitled Violence, intended to open the film on a more serious note, but it was replaced by a song written by Burt Bacharach and Mac David to emphasize the film's campy overtones. We should note that Ralph Carmichael also worked on Billy Graham television productions. So could we say the Lord was watching over this film? We'll let you be the judge. The Blob has had an enduring legacy. In 1988, director Chuck Russell and writer Frank Darabont, both fresh off the success of A Nightmare on Elm Street 3 Dream Warriors. You remember that one, don't you? That's the one where Freddy turns funny and says something about prime time and bitch. Good movie, check it out. Put together a very good remake that was produced by Jack Harris. It also inspired another excellent 1988 horror comedy film, Killer Clowns from Outer Space, which features an excellent turn from Animal House's Dean Wormer, the late great John Vernon, and it's hard not to think of the blob when you see the river of pink slime that flows underneath New York City in Ivan Reitman's 1989 film Ghostbusters 2. Since 2000, the town of Phoenixville, Pennsylvania, Go Phantoms, has hosted an annual blob fest which includes a reenactment of the scene where moviegoers flee from the Colonial Theater. Cinema Insomnia host Mr. Lobo is usually in attendance as a host. If you want to see the blob itself, it's made appearances at Blobfest. It's still around. That's right. The special effect made of red dye and silicone has never dried out. Truly, it is unkillable. We will be scoring the blob in the category of overall film, and in lieu of stars, we will be awarding it jello molds. Mr. Blutowski. Zero point zero. Welcome back to the Late Night Fright right here on WKMF Cozy Corner Public Radio. I am Dan. And I am Faith. I have my coffee, Faith. Do you have yours? Of course I have my coffee. What do you have? 
I have Wide Awake's Donut Shop Blend. What Guess do you have? What? In? What? So do I. Ooh. <laughs> it's got a cute little hippo on it. It's precious. We've been singing the praises of Wide Awake Coffee for a while now, mm-hmm. and we hope that if you haven't checked it out that you're planning to it's such a good coffee 100% compostable pod it's a great coffee at a great price we're not getting paid for this we love coffee here on the show if you've been following for any amount of time you know that we love coffee and this has become our favorite go-to and uh, the donut shop blend the 100% Colombian and the Seattle style dark seem to be our favorites that we keep in rotation. Uh, If you can't find it in your local supermarket, get on wideawakecoffee.com. Check them out. You can order it online and they'll send it to your house. I have not had a bad blend from them. It's just I have some I prefer more than than others taste-wise. But everything has been so good. And like I said, 100% compostable pods. That means something to me. And I'm sure, yeah, you know, it means a lot to right. other people as well. That means a lot. If you can do something to help the environment, you know, by all means. Well, we it. have an environment that is being terrorized <laughs> in our movie tonight. We're going to take a little trip back to the 50s. We're going to go back uh, to the drive-in because this is a drive-in movie, yes, is it, it not? Is. <laughs> this this is like one of those ultimate drive-in movies. We're also going to take a trip back to a really wonderful time in horror, and I'm very excited to talk about this because there's a lot of things that are going on outside of this movie. This 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 period of time is a nexus point for horror. Mm-hmm. So I'm excited to talk about some of these things. Let me say this at the beginning before we get into it. I had a lovely set of notes that I had prepared for this, <laughs> that I had meticulously prepared, that I cannot find. So I will be speaking extemporaneously tonight. That's a that's a big word, isn't it? That's a huge word. I'm and, so proud of you. And I <laughs> hope I used it correctly. I, I don't know. I could have just offended. Can you use it in a sentence? Can you spell it? Where, uh, what's the uh, origin of the word? <laughs> what's the origin of the word? <laughs> that reminds me of a spelling bee joke. I misspelled failure in front of the entire school. Dwight Schrute. There you go. <laughs> Scranton, Pennsylvania. We're going to, we're going to Pennsylvania here mm-hmm. with this movie. So we have 1958's The Blob, uh, starring Steve McQueen. This is his first big starring role. He's iconic. He's a legend. Well, here he is playing the world's most haggard teenager, as we said in the introduction, because he was 28 years old <laughs> and chain smoked his way through the entire film. There is indeed a scene in this movie where it looks like there's fog and mist behind him. You think it's atmosphere? No, nah, it's, it's Steve McQueen's cigarette <laughs> billowing up behind him. Faith, we've done the 1988 Chuck Russell remake. Let's do a quick kind of jaunt back through that. We both really, really liked oh, that. Yeah. What was it you liked about the 1988 Blob film? I liked the atmosphere of it and just the whole kind of the whole kind of following of the Blob. You know, I just I liked that. It was it was weird. It was creepy. It was a good it. movie. It is. That movie hits two of my sweet spots for horror movies. What do I like in horror movies? I like monsters and I like small towns. I love movies that take place in a small town and I like when there's a monster, be it a genetic mutant freak, a space alien that's come in on a meteorite, or Michael Myers. It doesn't really (laughs) matter to me. I like 
the vibe of the small town. Exactly. I like that a lot. This movie, well, the 1988 movie definitely did that for me. What do you think about the 1958 movie? Because there's a lot of similarities between these two films, and then there's a lot of, of differences as well. Yeah, I, I definitely I liked it, and I can definitely see those differences and the uh, and how they're similar. But the vibe and the atmosphere is definitely different because I feel like that time period is just so different and I loved it that was one of my favorite things being in the 50s with that yeah with this film it just felt it just felt good you know it felt like that kind of iconic sci-fi horror film from Americana the 50s yes, too. it just yeah it's weird it feels like apple pie in a way too doesn't it, does, it? Yeah, it like uh <laughs> coffee and apple pie it uh this movie encapsulates the time in which it exists right as much as the 1988 version encapsulates the time in which it exists. There's some similarities in those times that we're going to talk about in just a second here. I love this movie. There is there is a a innocent an innocence to this movie that's it's hard to describe, you know, kind of put that into words, but this movie uh, was made outside of the Hollywood system. It was a moderately budgeted film and it's just a whole lot of fun. It's mm, it is. it's it's a whole lot of fun. It doesn't aspire to be anything other than what it is which is a spooky picture right you know it's uh there's a midnight movie in this film and it feels like this itself is, is a, midnight movie. a midnight movie it's 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 just fun mm -hmm. it's it's so much fun so let's talk about the time in which this movie was made because this is really a nexus point we hit it in the introduction and we can't say this enough how important the 1957 1958 years are for horror, uh, the genre, and for fans, because Universal uh, Pictures put out the shock theater package, and what it was, the old movies, the Dracula and the Frankenstein, those those beautiful chestnuts that we all love with Bela Lugosi and Boris Karloff and Lon Chaney Jr., well, those start showing up on television, okay? Mm -hmm. So now you've got this generation that's getting exposed to these movies on television, okay? And they there was just this resurgence in popularity. There's another thing going on, too. Television is now this big commodity. Right. Okay, so they need product, okay? So then you start getting uh, all of these, uh, like American International Pictures will, will put out these kind of low-budget uh, efficient movies. Those go to drive-ins and then they kind of end up on television late night, you know, as part of these packages. So there's this explosion of horror in the home, you know? Yeah. So now you've got this generation of filmmakers like Joe Dante. We've talked about Joe Dante on this, on this show before. Joe Dante did one of the favorite movies that we've covered here, Matinee, which is, is, is a beautiful piece so of work good. and we're going to talk about that because that to me marks the end of the era we're about to talk about but so people like joe dante and rick baker and these guys you know uh the horror legends uh landis john landis they're watching this stuff on tv mm -hmm. you know yeah this is coming right into their home and then because horror is so popular they're they're making this product as i said the american international pictures these independent productions like the blob they're putting these things out at the drive-in and then they're going and they're seeing these movies at the drive-in mm -hmm. okay and what a wonderful time to be a horror fan I know. you know because <laughs> they needed product right and as an actor uh recently on Sven they showed the american international 
Pictures uh, film Blood of Dracula, and he made the comment that at that time they were producing so much that at, to be an, as an actor, work was everywhere. You could get work because they were producing these low-budget horror films. Now, fast forward 30 years into 1988 when they're making The Blob, it's the same thing. The video store is now a thing. They need yes. product for the video store. That's why you're getting direct-to-video type things. So a lot of similarities between... Right. Between the two the two eras. So but um, the other great thing that comes off of 1957, 1958 with the shock theater and then son of shock theater is you get the horror host and Vampira is acknowledged mm-hmm. as the first. Then you get um, uh, uh, his name is escaping me out of Philadelphia, Zachary. Zachary out of Philadelphia, but then you get you start getting all of these local people that are popping up everywhere because they thought that the the thought process behind this was because you're showing a different movie every week and it's not like a, a serialized picture uh-huh. that you needed something that you could hang on to right and so they would have the host mm-hmm. and then also it would help take up some of the time in the two hour allotment. But they also thought that maybe possibly, too, for some of the younger viewers, it would take maybe some of the sting out, you know. But uh, yeah. And it's kind of funny because we've talked about this on the show before. Horror and humor go together so well. Mm -hmm, Exactly. And (laughs) the horror hosts, for the most part, were usually pretty funny, Mm -hmm. you know, or at least trying to be funny, you know. And uh, and I love it. It's and and that created this this subgenre, this thing that's still kind of going on it's kind of an underground thing right now we yeah. have Svinguli who's national but you have guys we mentioned him in the intro for the show because he does host uh blob fest he, he'll uh, mr lobo from cinema insomnia which i just absolutely adore and osi 74 the streaming service that he uh runs if you're not hip to osi 74 please check that out there's so much fun content on osi 74 oh, yes. and if you are not familiar with cinema insomnia please get familiar with cinema insomnia and you're going to see with mr lobo what a really great horror host does because he'll show really low rent movies and he's watching them with you. And so then you feel like you're in it together, right? you know, exactly. And him, especially, I really love him out of these modern horror hosts because he says his whole take on it is he wants to be Rod Serling from the twilight zone, but incompetent. So (laughs) there's an inflated sense of ego and incompetence that goes with it. And, He's he's a whole lot of fun. I've I've listened to him on podcast. He has a podcast that you should check out, the Sleepless Nights podcast. It's K N I G H T S Sleepless Nights. Uh, check that out. But I've also heard him speak on other people's podcasts, and he just seems like he's a delightful, down to earth guy who loves all of this. Mm-hmm. He loves uh, this world that sprang up in fifty seven, fifty eight with the horror host, and uh, but. It, this is it's it's important to talk about this with this movie because this is the time period in which this is happening. We're also in the atomic age, the mm-hmm. space age, and here we have a. It's not an atomic monster, but we have a monster from space. So <laughs> so let's get into it, Faith. The movie itself. I know you said you liked it. What I was did. it? What was it you liked about it outside of like the Americana aspects, that kind of comfort feeling to it, and. It feels to me like this is a movie that they would have been watching in the Michael Jackson thriller movie, you know, yes. in the theater before they go off. I guess I liked it so much because it feels different than I feel like for me personally, most movies I've watched from that time period 
like monster wise of like the creatures different from what I've seen from like I said from that time period so it was cool to see what they were doing with it and just it was just it was just fun it was I was actually liked it more than I thought I would honestly it, it's a it's a fun creature it is. it's a fun creature because it starts off small and gets bigger yeah. and redder and it changes uh, color yeah changes and, color it looks like um uh if you're familiar with the I think it's 1961 absent-minded professor movie with Fred McMurray where he invents flubber. Uh, it's like pissed off flubber. Yes. You know, it's like it's like the bastard love child of flubber and jello. Yes. You know, and, and I like that it seems difficult to get rid of. You can't shoot it. You can't really cut it. You can't. You know, it's, so there's that struggle there with like, yeah. what do you do with it? Because it's this foreign thing that's just it definitely it, presents a dilemma for yeah. our for our characters. Um. I, I do. I love that it this that this movie is taking place in a small town, and I love that uh, you're centered on Steve McQueen and Anita Corso. Mm-hmm. And um, y- you know what was striking me too is they're competent. They're not, you know. Usually, with things like this with teenagers, you'll get the incompetent teenagers. We see that a lot with the slasher genre. Exactly. You're, yeah, you're yelling. You're yelling at the <laughs> at the screen. You know, don't go in there. Why are you doing this? Yeah. I wasn't doing that with them because Mm-mm. they're trying to figure this thing out and and then trying to survive. Right. And uh, and Steve McQueen, Steve McQueen's an icon. He's oh, a yeah. legend. And uh, this is his first starring role. I don't know. I read that he wasn't too fond of this movie, but he also had the poster for this movie up on his wall right. when he died. So interesting. Very interesting. Yeah, I was thinking that. <laughs> very interesting. Yeah, and uh, what an actor to play the world's most haggard teenager. I mean, every every one of the 28 years he was when this movie was made shows on his face, you know, <laughs> really shows on his face. Yes. But he's, uh, you know, Steve McQueen was a really great talent. He, that's an Academy Award nominee. He was in, he was Academy Award nominated for a film from 1966 called The Sand Pebbles, which is very good. He is probably best known for The Great Escape, which is a really wonderful movie. He uh, was in The Magnificent Seven. The guy had a really storied career. He was in a, a film called Bullet. Uh, real influential you know, career, and as a guy that is still regarded as one of our great action heroes, he died very young mm-hmm. because you just can't smoke that much. No. You, you just can't do it. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's one of those things. He also loved racing cars and things like that, so... Really wonderful presence. I like him in this movie. I like his relationship with Officer Dave. I like... I do, too. Um, there's a really wonderful scene with him and Dave where Dave busts him for driving backwards and almost drag racing kind of thing. <laughs> and they both know what the score is. And McQueen plays that just so wonderfully. Yes. Like, uh, you know, uh, I know you know what I did. Right. And, and you know... <laughs> And I know that you know that I'm, that I'm, I know I'm BSing I, you right now. Right. And uh, it was just really great. And, and you get a real sense when you get two good actors like that who uh, can give you a sense of character quickly, you know, without having to, to go into a lot mm-hmm. of detail. And it's a really wonderful scene that helps set the scene for this movie. And Anita Corso is also really good in this, you know. Yeah. And she doesn't feel just like the girlfriend or the damsel in distress, you know, and they feel like they're a real couple and they feel like they're really in this thing together. And what I like about the thing that they find themselves in is for the most part, I feel like this is a really fun movie because and you get the blob eating people, you know, you get 
uh, the uh, the assimilation of people <laughs> right. into the blob is getting bigger. And it's fun. You know, it's fun. But when you get to the last 10 or 15 minutes of this movie, it gets really intense it when does. you think that they're going to burn to death or die in this diner. So right. it, it it's a really great piece of work. Yeah, it's like the bigger the blob gets, the intensity builds with the yeah. growing of the blob. <laughs> it, really, it really does. It really does. It's, um, like I said, from an influential standpoint, you know, this is a movie that was uh, stirring the imaginations of filmmakers that you all out there love, like Faith and I love. And, you know, Joe Dante, John Landis, the, these kind of people were being influenced by this. The mm-hmm. effects guys were being influenced by this because it's so wonderful and fun. Um, Neil deGrasse Tyson says this is one of his favorite monsters of all time because of the scientific nature of it. He right. said Because he can make the science work behind it, uh-huh. you know? And um, like I said, it you can't overstate the influence of this. You see it in Killer Clowns from Outer Space. Yeah. You know, it, it's. It, I feel like this movie is still a touchstone. Mm-hmm. You know, I watched it on Svengoolie last year sometime uh, when all of the craziness in the world started. It was one of the movies that they showed. And he was kind of geeking out over it, too. <laughs> There's something really just precious about it yeah really you know? there is you know and I, the other thing it hits too for me is like it takes place over one night you know mm-hmm. it's, it's 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 this is what it is and it's it's just it's just amazing um what do you think about that time period that we've been talking about you oh, know I with that it. explosion of horror you've got it makes famous me wanna, monsters wish of, i was in that time like uh, it 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 makes me want to go there you know it, it calls to me it you got just, famous monsters of Filmland is yes. is happening, you know. Uh, we do need to talk about part of the legacy is Blobfest. They recreate the scene where they all come out. The police and firemen will will cordon off the street and they they'll run out like they did <laughs> in the movie. Cool. I think it's wonderful. And, I love it. And a collector bought the blob. The blob is still with us. It's 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 still. Is it still like in a container? Moist. Like, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it hasn't dried out. So it's really cool. And we had a uh, Michael Whitaker from Pennsylvania wrote to us a, a while back and, and did virtual Blobfest because that's how they're doing things now and said it was just a wonderful, wonderful experience. And they show the uh, the movie that they're showing in the uh, in the movie theater mm-hmm. at the Coliseum, which is called Dementia or something like this. Yeah, uh, but and they call it. Um, something, yeah, something else. Like and it's the daughter Ed, of, and it's Ed, what it's Ed McMahon is doing the Bella yes. Lugosi <laughs> dialogue. So there you go. Hey, oh, <laughs> so really just wonderful legacy. I think that people have embraced mm-hmm. and, and there's, and it just, it's a very, it's a very comforting kind of movie to me. I like, right. I like this kind of thing. Let's talk about the Burt Bacharach song. What do you think about the, there's a Burt Bacharach song at the beginning <laughs> of this. And, I'm a Bacharach <laughs> fan. I have the three disc Look of Love set, and Bert. I mean, what can you say about Bert that hasn't <laughs> been said? You know, right? Um, if you think Bert Bacharach is just lounge lizard music, you're not listening <laughs> correctly. Uh, this guy has written some of the most beautiful and complex pop, quote unquote, pop songs of the past century. Mm-hmm. And here it is starting out for him, and he's writing this this song you know, in the block. It was so funny do because... Do you like the song? I do. I love the song. <laughs> I like it, too. It's so funny when you listen to like that set I was mentioning with the Burt Bacharach uh, three-disc set. 
and you've got you know all of these iconic songs. Do you know the way to San Jose? On my own from Michael McDonald and Patti LaBelle. Any day now by Chuck Jackson, and right there in that first disc is the Blob. You know, and it's like it's like what is this? It's like, yeah, what is oh, it? So it stands out in his catalog as something very unique. <laughs> <laughs> but you got to love it, right? You got to love it. I I do uh, applaud the decision that the producers made to put that at the beginning mm-hmm. to let you know that it's a little campy. Yeah. And don't don't take this too seriously. <laughs> I know that someone has been trying they've been trying to read very deeply in this movie that this movie is about the dangers of communism and yada 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 and one of the writers said no, it really is just supposed to be I mean, that wasn't fun, that wasn't flashing in my mind while this, watching this it. This really fun <laughs> horror movie you know you know it was on my mind when watching it what's that i love the cars okay yeah you just love the cars so that makes me think this whole vibe makes me think of american graffiti and i tried to look it up and i didn't see anything but it's like what are the odds that the remake of the blob has candy clark did they do that on purpose because yeah you know that's an interesting thought because I was thinking the I was thinking American Graffiti when I was looking at the cars, you know. Absolutely. Anytime you see this 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 time, when I see this time frame, mm-hmm, I always think of American <laughs> Graffiti. Too. So I was like, oh, well, Candy Clark's in this in the remake. So interesting. One thing we need to talk about: we're talking about the horror host and the time period in which you know this movie was made and set. And this is at a time too when the American teenager had a lot of purchase power the american teenager is becoming an economic force and we're talking about you know the drive-in movies well they're programming these double bills these teenagers that are going to see these movies you know Mm -hmm. and what i like about this movie is this movie was made for a specific audience you know it's made for teenagers right and so they're they're becoming this really influential economic force at the time so when you see things like this and you see things like the American International Pictures uh, who were doing movies like uh, I Was a Teenage Werewolf, I Was a Teenage Frankenstein, Blood of Dracula. Blood of Dracula has nothing to do with Dracula. It really should have been called I Was a Teenage Vampire. Uh, or more accurately, I Was a Female Teenage Vampire. It, it, uh, these movies were, were marketed to our teenagers because teenagers had you know, income to burn. And right. they could, and they would spend it on things like this. So, so if it feels like okay, this movie's a little silly. This movie, you know, you've got all these teenagers running around. That's that's the, that's the reason. Yeah. That's be, <laughs> they. It's because they're relating to what's going on mm-hmm. on screen. Let's talk. I feel like we have talked about what's on screen and not talked about what's on screen. <laughs> I liked the teenagers in the movie. I liked these guys. I liked that gang. Mm-hmm. I liked. His friend, you, you think they're rivals? No, they're just, I was, yeah, they're I was, just having fun. I was fun. slightly confused at first. I didn't know if that was like the gang that, you know, they were they were on. They're just having yeah, fun. Yeah, and I was like, okay, they're friends. <laughs> yeah, they're, <laughs> like just, they're just having fun. And I love, too, like how the town all comes together, you know, how they mm-hmm. the teenagers save the town. You know? right. And I have said some derogatory things about teenagers on this show <laughs> in the past. I may have said uh, once or twice that I have started to really – um, uh, empathize with Freddy Krueger's point of view when it comes to teenagers. I, I have said that. I stand by what I've said. I was going to say. But in this case, I like these teenagers. Well, this was also in the 50s. So it's I also mean. in the 50s. <laughs> Fred was still alive and, and, and doing you know, his evil. And Steve McQueen <laughs> right? was actually almost 30, so. 
<laughs> speaking speaking of drive-ins, uh, you know, the drive-in has made sort of a comeback in the past year and a half with things that are going on in the world. And uh, up in Pennsylvania, they uh, there's a famous drive-in, and they show uh, this weekend we're recording this. They're uh, doing Fred Fest. They're showing so cool. 35 millimeter prints of Nightmare on Elm Street on a big wow. drive-in. And if we had the time and means, we would be there for Fred Fest. I will say this to everyone uh, involved with Blob Fest and those kind of things. We sincerely hope to see you in the future. Oh, yeah. That's something I would really That'd be amazing. like to go participate in. Me too. Um, just, just really wonderful. I love the fact that these towns have embraced this movie. This mm-hmm. is a 60-something-year-old movie now. And I love the fact that they've embraced it because it's what, what a wonderful, you know, piece of, of cinema that this oh, is. Absolutely. This is this is so much fun. Let's talk about the famous scene. They recreated it in nineteen eighty eight and I loved it in the nineteen eighty eight version. I love it here in the nineteen fifty eight version. I love when the blob gets into the movie theater. Oh, that's I my love favorite. the look of the blob coming through the grating. It's my uh, favorite. Ivan Reitman stole that look in Ghostbusters two with the with the mood slime as they call it. Uh, I I think the pandemonium is just absolutely (laughs) wonderful. I I love it. Let's talk about something that not a lot of people talk about. Let's talk about the fact that there's a midnight movie in this movie, and there's a really old dude sitting up there in the balcony watching (laughs) watching this movie and shushing the teenagers. Like, what is going on with that guy? Is that Freddy Freddy (laughs) Krueger? I was thinking that. (laughs) Freddy, is that you? Are you watching this midnight movie wanting to kill some teenagers? Possibly. <laughs> possibly. It's possible. This is uh this is really great. This is a, a really great piece of work. It's uh it's a really influential piece of cinema. I can't I can't stress that enough. It might not be the greatest movie in the world, but you owe it to yourself if you're a science fiction fan, if you're a horror fan, to watch this movie at least once. This mm-hmm. movie uh, is such an inspiration. It inspired a sequel in 1972 called Beware the Blob that is apparently awful. I have not seen it. But it also inspired a really great remake in 1988 from director Chuck Russell. And it has a wonderful legacy. It, it established Steve McQueen. It uh, The effects are wonderful. It, the effects still look great. And I'm going to say this. We watched it on HBO Max, mm-hmm. and it's a, a complete digital transfer. And I think the movie looks stunning. Honestly, it almost looks like a movie made in the 70s or 80s. It really does, throwing, yeah. Throwing it back to the 50s. It looks so good. I was it thinking really that, does. too. It yeah. looks so good. And it's a, it's a nice time capsule. Mm-hmm. And sometimes movies made in their time, you know, or of their time, and right. sometimes they become class uh, mm-hmm. timeless. And this is a movie that really is of its time and is timeless, right. you know, and even with the the kind of faddish nature of, of, of some of it, mm-hmm. you know. And it's, it's, it's a movie that I feel its heart is just so in the right place. It's just trying to be an entertaining movie. And, exactly. And I was extremely entertained by it. I was, too. I was extremely... Uh, into the story I was into, you know, and then towards the end when it gets a, a little hairy, mm-hmm. I was really there with it and mm-hmm. trying to figure out how they were going to, you know, stop the damn thing. Right. So I was too, honestly, by the time that it got to the end, I was like, wow, I was just so into it. I didn't realize how, you know, like it was almost over. I was like, okay, wow. An hour and 20 something minutes here. By. Yeah. It was really good. Yeah. This would, I, I would have liked to have visited this time. Um, mm-hmm. My uncle is is one of those monster kids from this era, and uh, he was born in 1950. 
so he was watching, you know, the shock theater package on right. on television, and that's where he got you know, exposed to these monsters. Also, at this time too, the Three Stooges are on television. They're starting to put that on television, so you could watch the Three Stooges and then watch, you know, a monster movie. Yeah. And this is what you know these kids were doing. And like I said, Joe Dante's the the perfect encapsulation of this era. Joe Dante. Yeah. And then Famous Monsters, the Filmland magazine starts to happen. And just really cool. It's a really cool period. I've always dug uh, the late 50s, early 60s. So let's talk about Joe Dante real quick. Because this era, it's so what it is. Mm-hmm. And I feel like the natural ending point for this is 1962. Uh, Matt Nay captures this perfectly because you have these these monsters on screen we're in the middle of the cold war Mm -hmm. well 1962 things start to heat up a little bit and then this thing called vietnam starts to happen and these monster kids are going to go off and have to fight right and i feel like you know this kind of really optimistic fun time comes to an end Mm -hmm. right there in 1962 with the cuban missile crisis matinee captures that perfectly perfectly if you have not seen matinee you you owe it to yourself to watch that film we did an episode on it Mm -hmm. we did a double feature with them them with an exclamation (laughs) mark which uh great another great big monster movie from the 50s but you really owe it to yourself to watch this movie joe dante directed it uh john goodman is in it and john goodman is playing a william castle type william castle is a producer who's starting to come to prominence at this time you know you've got vincent price becoming a horror star during this era too this is so wonderful i know Christopher Lee and Peter Cushing are emerging, you know, in 1957 with Hammer Studios and the Dracula film and the Frankenstein film. And it's it's a wonderful time for horror. It's a nexus point, just like the early 30s were. And then like you're going to get then in in the late 70s and early 80s. So but for me, like the natural end point for this is the Cuban Missile Crisis in 1962. And then the escalation into Vietnam and and Mm -hmm. real world horrors come come in yeah pretty pretty heavy so exactly but uh wonderful wonderful movie wonderful time period uh it's worth checking out the history of this with the horror host uh i i wish we had more horror hosts today i, I wish too. this was more of a thing i wish we had more local programming i, think I was gonna say you can find them on the internet but i feel like we we lack that local you know personality it leads to creativity yeah it leads to creativity and there are some really great horror names that are the horror hosts of the time so it's so much fun there's 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 so much history to look at here and i really urge you to to take a look at this period because it will yeah if if you like these movies you need to you need to know about this, this period one last thing before we go um the shock theater package, which was, of course, as we said, marketed to television. Universal was putting out some of their genre movies. Do you know who was going to host that? It was, they were going to have someone who hosted that nationally. Are Ooh. you ready for this? Yes, I am. Bella Lugosi. Oh, wow. Bella Lugosi was going to host it, and he passed away oh, before, before it happened. And that was the thing that was going to put Bella finally above Boris Karloff. Wow. That was that was going to be the thing, and he passed away. And I'm sorry that he did because I would have loved to have watched 
these movies hosted by Bella Lugosi. Oh, wow. What a treat that would have been. I know. What a treat. And let me say this before we go. I watched Dracula, the 1931 Lugosi version of Dracula. I watched it last weekend. It had been on Svengooli. It's kind of funny. We're talking about horror hosts and Svengooli's name has come up. And I love Svengooli. <laughs> Me too. We've uh, Faith and I always enjoy getting together and watching Svengooli when we're able to. And they showed Dracula, and I hadn't seen it. It'd been it'd been a while. Maybe since probably we did since it. The show. Probably yeah, since we did it on, on the it. show. Yeah. That's. That's an amazing movie. I that know. that one stands up, and he—that's a performance for the ages, right there. It really that's is. That's a that's one for the ages. I know. <laughs> he is so good. It's amazing. This movie is ninety years old this year. At wow. the time of this recording, Dracula is ninety years old, and I'm watching that thing, and that guy was disturbing me. Right. <laughs> In all the right ways. Exactly. So good. The whole cast: Edward Van Sloan, Bella Lugosi. Everyone in the movie was mm-hmm. was really good. Lugosi, that one stands up. That stands up. It's blowing my mind. It's ninety years old. Wow. Frankenstein's Frankenstein wow. will be ni- is ninety years old this year, as well. I mean, those movies are definitely. I mean, I know there. they're old, but once you put it into like you know perspective, it's like wow, because you still watch them today, and yeah, obviously they're well, black and white, but they still hit you. And it's, it's it's ninety years old. The Wolfman with Lon Chaney Jr. Yeah. is eighty years old this year. Uh, you know, The Blob is, what, 64 years old now? So, I mean, even the remake of The Blob yeah. is 33 years old. You know, Elm Street's going to be celebrating its 40th anniversary oh, coming up wow. in a few years. So so time time has a way. It keeps it keeps moving. Mm-hmm. You know? But what's great is these things are so timeless. You know, we talked about a movie tonight that's timeless. Uh, that movement at the time, it's timeless. You know, mm-hmm. and uh, I mean, what a great what a great era. You know, now, really? no eras are perfect. There's always you can always look at an era. Uh, I want to. I did ma- want to make sure to say this. There's always societal things that can be better. And I'm not saying that. Yes, I want to go live in this. You know, era where there's societal. You know, there are societal issues that need to be fixed. But I'm just talking about from the point of view of looking at this as just the entertainment and in, in this right. at the time. It's what a wonderful. I know. You know moment. I know. You know, and we would see that again in the 80s with the video store and mm-hmm. the slasher films, you know. Yeah. And I feel like we're still waiting for that resurgence. Will we have another one? I don't know. I don't know I don't because know. the times we live in aren't exactly are strange and unusual conducive and to creativity at times. So it's very true. corporate right now. It's very corporate, and there's and, and all of these great things that you, that we're talking about are, are kind of homegrown, mm-hmm. organic mom and pop things. Even the Universal monster movies from the '30s and '40s are very, you know, homegrown. Right. You know, um, Hammer Films, homegrown. Mm-hmm. New Line Cinema, A Nightmare on Elm Street, homegrown. Mm-hmm. You know, so the great the great movements in art. You know, are always they're not corporate led. They're they're they come from individuals. You know, and uh, hopefully we have a resurgence soon. I would I would like to think that we'll have a hopefully. horror resurgence soon. Hopefully, you know, just give me a good story, give me good characters, give me great situations. Um, and I'll be there. <laughs> I'll be there. I'll be there with you. I know you will. <laughs> All right. Well, this is time to take a break. A news break. A news break. 
<laughs> all the fake news not fit to print. So stay tuned for that. I am Dan. And I am Faith. And we will see you on the other side. Have you been mauled by a bear, mountain lion, coyote, or other clawed forest-dwelling creature? The support group Grin and Bear, that's B-E-A-R, wants you to know that they'll be meeting this Sunday in the Eudora Dooley Room of the Cozy Corner Library for healing, coffee, and desserts, but not bear claws. The keynote speaker will be Ned Needleman, a man who tried to fornicate with a bear and lived to tell the tale. Why would someone try to fornicate with a bear? Come to Grin and Barrett's meeting this Sunday in the Eudora Dooley Room of the Cozy Corner Library and ask him yourself. See you there. This is Bobby D'Amato, host of Afterglow, the show that comes on after the late night fright. And I'm here to implore you, please turn off the news. It's bad for your health. With that said, here's a WKMF Cozy Corner Public Radio news break. And hey, be sure to tune in to Afterglow, the show that comes on after the late night fright for all your favorite baby making music. See you there. have an absolutely shocking story coming out of Ohio. Faith, we've been keeping a close eye on this one, and this truly is shocking. Kids in the town of Springwood, Ohio, report seeing a truly terrifying man in their dreams. Parents, teachers, and child specialists are all stumped as to what may be causing this. Is it a group hallucination? Is it an elaborate hoax? Or worse yet, is it real? This is what we know so far. The kids are seeing a grotesque figure in their dreams. He's an older man with an absolutely terrifying visage. He chases them around, and he's apparently very fond of little girls. Faith, I'm getting an official WKMF Cozy Corner Public Radio news update that he likes to, quote, smell their hair and also touches them inappropriately. This is very disturbing and so reminiscent of the problem Springwood had back in 1984. Do you remember that? I do. Kids dying in their sleep, all claiming that a shadowy figure named Fred Krueger was haunting them. Hold on, we're getting another update. The man smelling kids' hair in their dreams is White House resident Joe Biden. We have a statement from him. True international average of pressure. Scary stuff. We hope it gets worked out. And that is the news. Stay tuned for our final scores and a preview of next week's show.
I don't have another joke. I think the show speaks for itself. Thankfully, it's almost over. Now back to the late night fright with Dan and Faith. Yay. Welcome back to the Late Night Fright, right here on WKMF Cozy Corner Public Radio. I am Dan. And I am Faith. We're going to finish up our discussion of 1958's The Blob, classic drive-in cinema starring Steve McQueen and Anita Corso. We are scoring the film tonight. Uh, we are awarding it Jello molds <laughs> in lieu of stars. Faith, how many Jello molds did you give The Blob? I gave it a solid 3.5 jello molds. That's exactly what I gave it to. <laughs> we share a brain. Yes, we I feel do. like there's a horror movie in there somewhere. <laughs> Probably so. About sharing a brain. <laughs> this is this is as fun as it gets. Mm-hmm. This is really just a, a fun movie. And as I said, it's such an influential movie that has such a lovely legacy in both the sci-fi and horror uh, genres that you owe it to yourself to see it at least once. And again, as, as I said, there's such a lovely history around this, uh, not only the movie itself, but the time and the legacy of the film. And make sure to watch that remake from 1988 as well. Absolutely. We have an episode that we did on it, so check that out. We both really enjoyed the movie. And I think that they're different enough to where you're not going to be comparing one to the right. other. They were really, I think, reverential towards the 58 movie and changed some stuff because mm-hmm. there's different origin for the blob. Right. And, and I feel like they both reflect their times, you know, mm-hmm. very well. Yeah. I think I scored it to a, a 3.5 because I think I was comparing the horrific elements to the 88 version. And I think I was just wanting more of scenes with the actual blob taking over. Same here. But then again, what it is doing in this movie. It's right. not bothering me. Not it's at all. creepy enough. I did, I did want more blob I did. in I the wanted, movie. Because yeah. the blob, what we get of the blob is so good yeah, in this so you movie. Yeah, so you want more. And I know it was probably difficult for them to right. give us the blob. But right. this is a great movie. Uh, essential essential view. I think so. I, th- I think it's essential I think view. So. so Sci-Frightmare Month, we started with Blade Runner from 1982. Faith and I... That's a movie that you just you can't really quantify, but we tried. <laughs> that episode's available. Uh, then we moved on to The Blob. Now, we had two other movies picked out. Uh, 1993's Fire in the Sky, about a alleged uh, true UFO abduction. And 1997's Event Horizon, a movie that has really grown in estimation over the years and has quite a cult following. We have those two movies left, Faith went into the box, and she has the next movie in her hand. Faith, what have we got? Let's take a look. I had a feeling it was going to be this movie for some reason. What do we have? We have Fire in the Sky. Fire in the Sky. 1993. Directed by Robert Lieberman. Starring D.B. Sweeney, Robert Patrick, Craig Schaefer, Peter Berg, and James Garner. That's exciting. Based really on the is. alien abduction of Travis Walton. The allegedly true alien abduction of Travis Walton. Excited! I'm excited to get into this. I've uh, never seen it, so UFO, I'm excited. <laughs> UFO uh, stuff is is quite a um, interest of mine. Oh, yeah. Um, we'll save the big discussion for all of that next week. But very quickly, where are you on UFOs and UFO abductions? 
Where am I with them? Like, do I believe in them? Yes. Oh, I, I believe in them. Me too. Me too. <laughs> so uh, there you go. Fire in the sky. Uh, again, allegedly true. There uh, have been some that have uh, tried to debunk his story, but that is the case with a lot of these cases. So uh, we're going to watch the movie. We're going to do some research on this, and, and we'll let you know where we fall on this. But the movie itself... I have not seen the movie in a long time, but the actual abduction and experimentation scene is very horrific. So it's worth the price of admission uh, right there. So, uh, and James Garner's in the movie. James Garner is one of my favorites. What a what a classic actor we have. So that means Fire in the Sky is next, and then the week <laughs> after will be Event Horizon if you're if you're keeping track. So I'm excited about both of these. I haven't these seen movies. either one, so. I would look forward to both of them. Yeah. There you go. That leaves us with one month left in October. One month? One month. One week. I was like, I'll take a whole extra month of October. <laughs> there you go. One week left in October. We are definitely going to be doing one film that week. We'll be doing one show for sure. We're going to try and do two for Halloween. I can tell you right now, one of those movies is going to be Ghostbusters 2 getting ready for the release of Ghostbusters Afterlife in November. Of course, this is at the time of this recording. You could be in the future looking back on this and going, what? Or, you know, <laughs> you could hit a time-space continuum rift. I don't know. But uh, <laughs> anyway, but we're going to be doing Ghostbusters because as of the time of this recording, Ghostbusters Afterlife is an upcoming film. You're looking forward to it. I am looking forward I'm to it. I'm looking forward to it. What are you most looking forward to with Ghostbusters Afterlife? Just kind of getting that whole, not maybe nostalgia. I want to see Dan Aykroyd. That's what I want to see is Dan Aykroyd. I'm wanting to see him. <laughs> I I want to see Dan Aykroyd. That's that's why that's I'm here. That's really why I want to see That's why I'm here. What a, what a lovely presence he is. What a, what a brilliant mind he has we watched coneheads after the show last week faith uh, was familiar with the skits from saturday night live but she had never seen the film and what was your impression of the film oh man i love it like beautiful, i could watch it, it every day it's beautiful it really really it's beautiful and it's sweet uh, and sweet and funny yeah. and and uh Aykroyd seems like a guy who's very loving mm -hmm. very Absolutely. loving guy and uh I'm excited about seeing him again in, in Ghostbusters. Mm -hmm. All of them. All of them are coming back, except for the late, great Harold Ramis. But Harold Ramis is going to be there in spirit. The movie's really kind of about him, from what I hear. Mm -hmm. And I believe he will be making an appearance of some kind in the movie, and we can only hope. So there you go. We would like to thank you, as always, for tuning in. It's a privilege and a pleasure to bring this conversation to you. Talking about horror movies is fun. Faith and I like to talk about horror movies. Horror is a communal experience. It's so much fun to watch a horror movie with friends. It's fun to watch it with an audience. It's fun to talk about these movies. It's fun to see where that conversation leads you. We're living in a time where the powers that be are trying to divide us along all kinds of lines. Any line you can imagine, they're trying to divide us among those lines. Why? Because there are more of us than there are of them. And they know that a united front, if we hold hands and stand up and present a united front, they know their days are numbered. Exactly. I'm not advocating for anarchy or anything awful like that. What I'm saying is there's a new day coming. 
there's a new age of enlightenment and awakening that is, we're on the doorstep of it here. I think we've taken one step towards it. And it's a privilege and a pleasure to bring this show to you. We hope that we have brought you some smiles tonight. The late, great Norm MacDonald said, it's one thing to make someone laugh. It's another to leave them with a smile. We hope that we have left you with a smile, be it from some of the goofy stuff that we have interspersed in this show, uh, some of the things we were talking about with this movie. We hope that we've left you with a smile. We hope you carry that smile with you throughout the week. We hope that you pay that smile forward. We're all in this together, people. We are all in this together. There is what unites us. It's so much greater than what divides us. We hope you're happy, healthy, safe out there. We hope you're taking your vitamins. We hope you're taking care of yourself. We hope to hear from each and every one of you. You can reach us at latenightfrightpodcast at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you because we are all in this together. And we are just trying to do our part to bring you a smile and maybe bring you a new idea, a fresh idea. And if we can be a voice that lets you know there are other people out there that think like you do and that we're all in this together, then great. Yep. You know, then it's it's great. Uh, if we only reach two people, that's fine with me. Right. But um, the numbers have been great. We want to thank all of you for listening. The best thing you can do for us is listen to us. If you feel so inclined, please give us a review on iTunes. Uh, that helps us get the word out on the show. There's algorithms and, and AI matrices, and, and they're, they're, I don't know what they do. Uh, I don't know if they know what they do, and I have a feeling if they become self-aware that, that they're not going to know what they do, and right. it's going to be an awful day for humanity because exactly. they're just going to go ahead and launch the bombs. Exactly. <laughs> you know, but um, We're while, <laughs> while we still can, while there's time, if you feel so inclined, we would appreciate a review or uh, a written review is great, or you can just give us five stars or four stars, whatever you feel like giving us. And, uh, but you can, uh, you can reach us at latenightfrightpodcast at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from each and every one of you. And sincerely, we hope that you are all doing well out there and that you continue to do well. We know times are weird. We know times are hard. We're all in it together. We love you. We have your back. There you go. There you go. There you go. So call up a friend, watch a movie, talk about the movie, see where the conversation takes you, verify what you hear. Yes. There you go. Don't believe everything you hear. Don't believe everything you read. Turn off the news. There you go. And if you're out there late at night and a bright light shines on you from the sky and you get abducted, well... I'd say just go for it. Go for it. There you go. Go for it. (laughs) There you go. Fire in the Sky is up next. That's exciting. I'm excited to watch this again. If you're an X-Files fan, you should love this. If you're an alien aficionado, you should love this. And uh, we'll see where we land on the uh, truth aspect of this after we watch the movie. Again, privilege and a pleasure thank you all for tuning in we know you have a lot of options as to how you spend your time we are flattered that you have chosen to come to cozy corner and spend a little bit of that time with us and our tomfoolery <laughs> and if you have been mauled by a bear go to the eudora Dooley room of the cozy corner <laughs> library there will be Coffee, healing, and desserts, but not bear claws. <laughs> On that note, it feels like it's time to go, doesn't it, Faith? It does. If we snap our fingers, will the magic happen? Let's see. Let's see. One, two, three. It happened. It's magic. Or editing. Who knows? Let's go with magic. 
We need a little magic, don't we? We sure do. We need a little magic these days. All right, Fire in the Sky is up next. Check out The Blob if you've not seen it. Check out the history surrounding The Blob. Check out that remake, too, because it's really pretty good. Pretty good. Really pretty good. All right, you stay spooky, all of you out there. Faith, take us home. May your coffin be cozy and your sarcophagus warm. May the light of the moon keep you safe from harm. Be you vampire, spook, specter, or beast. Always remember, keep keep your your monster monster on a leash. leash. We will see you on the other side.